You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to Hawk Talk Preview Week 2 Edition. I am Michael Bumpus along with Nasta Chobie. This week, the Tennessee Titans come into Lumen Field and try to get right. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But before we get into all the specifics, here's Nasta Chobie with the injury updates. Thanks, Bump. Well, the Seahawks entered the season completely healthy with no one on the injury report and came out of the game relatively okay against the Colts last Sunday. Head coach Pete Carroll stepped up to the podium as he does every Wednesday and gave an update on Dwayne Eskridge, Penny Hart, and Ethan Posick. Dwayne is still, he's still coming back. He's not not with us today. He's home today. Uh, So he's still working his way back. Um, And you asked about Penny? Yeah, uh, Penny Hart will practice today. Ethan Posick go on injury reserve. What's what's his long-term status with that? We're hoping it's a three-week deal. You know, we can get him back in three. Um, the minimum, you know, he, he he's actually, you know, he's moving. He can flex his knee. It's not all blown up or anything like that. So he'll have a chance to do that. All right, you've heard from head coach Pete Carroll on the injuries. Now it's time to get into the Seahawks' week two opponent. Who's next? The Tennessee Titans. Go! Who's next? All right, I'll tell you who's next. The Tennessee Titans, they are 0-1. Last week, man, they got a beat down by the Arizona Cardinals, 38-13. to Nothing seemed right. You know, and before we talk about the Titans, I got to just big up to Cardinals, man. <laughs> they, they played a heck of a game. Colin Murray was in the zone. They were up 24-6 at halftime. Murray was 21-32, of 32, 289 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, and he was disrespected this week, Chubby. You know yes, why he was, was. disrespected? Because the league chose Tom Brady as the offensive player of the week, and it should have been Kyler Murray for what he did in Tennessee. Their defense was going. I mean, it was probably more about what the Cardinals did than what the Titans didn't do. Yeah, man, I was surprised. We're going to get into this in a little bit when we go around the uh, world in the NFC West, but my goodness, the Cardinals, I was expecting them to be competitive and be pretty good, but to start the season like they did on the road against a good Titans team, man. This Titan team was in the playoffs last year. They won 11 games, won the AFC South last year. It's a good football team, a lot of good dudes on that squad. But the Cardinals came in and just beat the brakes off them, man. It was not close. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, both had four receiving touchdowns, or two each, four total between the two. But, man, it was done on defense bump. Chandler Jones sacked Ryan Tannehill five times. Yeah, I said that. Mm. Five times. (laughs) He's not going to do that every week, but he's on pace for 85 (laughs) sacks in 2021. It's unreal. He also added four tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, led to 14 points for the Cardinals. And, my goodness, Chandler Jones, that's going to be a scary sight for the rest of the NFC West. But that defense was balling, man. And kind of like you said, man, it was about what the Cardinals did to the Titans. Yeah, Cardinals came ready to play. All right, the Titans now, Tannehill was 21-35, 212 yards, was sacked six times, five by Mr. Chandler Jones. All right, threw one touchdown and threw one pick, lost two fumbles as well. Derrick Henry, he was shut down. I haven't seen a game like this from this young man in a long time. 17 carries, 58 yards, no touchdowns, only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. 19 of those 58 yards came on one run. 
not a Derrick Henry type of day. This guy rushed for 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns last year. I would like to think this week against the Seattle Seahawks, that's a point of emphasis. Get this man going. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Derrick Henry is what they do. This man came off one of the best seasons in the National Football League history last year, going over 2,000 yards. For him to just have eight yards in the first half, that's unacceptable. I mean, that's a normal, that's a standard run for that man right there. So it's it's baffling <laughs> to kind of see how that happened. And I get it. When you're in a game like that and the Cardinals jump on you right off the jump and you're down 24-6 at halftime, you're not going to be running the ball the way you want to. But eight yards in the first half, you know, and it's – a little scary because you know they're on notice. You know they're going back to practice today and tomorrow and Friday, and it's going to be a rough week of practice for them, but they're going to be focused and ready to go. And, you know, enemy number one this week's going to be Derrick Henry because they will be giving him the rock a ton on Sunday. But another big takeaway from that uh, Cardinals-Titans game was A.J. Brown, we know what he can do, and Julio Jones. That combo was held to seven receptions for 78 yards in one touchdown combined. Wow. I would take that. If each one of them got that, I'd be like, yeah, it's not what you want, but you'd live with it. So the fact that they that happened as well, the Cardinals were playing good football on all sides, and they clamped three of the best you know players in the National Football League down in one week. Clamped them down. I would like to say the change in offensive coordinator had to do something about it. Um, Arthur Smith. Is gone. They got Downey there calling the plays now, and uh, he's on thin ice. Because in 2017, he took over for the Raiders, and that often stalled out. So Vrabel took a chance on him. First week stalled out. You never know. They can turn things around. This is the NFL. Any given Sunday, any given week, you can fix things. So, you know, it's not over yet. You still got to play the game. They're still going to show up. They still got personnel. Let's look at this head-to-head comparison. Yeah, man, you know, it's hard to look at the head-to-head after just one week. You know, as we go through the year, we'll get more of a better picture of kind of what these teams look like throughout the year. But just looking from just the week one matchups that the Titans and the Seahawks had, you know, the Seahawks gained 381 yards on offense, which was a lot. Titans had 248. Um, That 381, surprisingly, was only tied for 18th in week one. And it's kind of deceiving because we all saw what the Seahawks did last Sunday. It was very efficient in everything they did. It felt easy. Um, So they... But a lot of people were throwing the ball around the yard, a lot of yards going around in the NFL. The Titans, on the other hand, that 248 is 31st in the National Football League, so not what they want to see. Rushing offense, Seahawks had 140. That puts them at 8 in the NFL. The Titans had 86 as a unit, puts them at 20. Uh, Seahawks passed for 241 yards. That's 20th in the NFL. And the Titans passed for 162, which is 29th. Seahawks points per game at 28. That's 13th in the league. And the Titans tied for 29th with only 13 points. So, looking at this matchup on paper, obviously just judging off of what we know from the Week 1 performances, obviously lopsided in the Seahawks' favor because the Titans really struggled to get anything going offensively. Yeah, head-to-head comparison after Week 1 is really deceiving. I think we get more from, like, the preseason head-to-head than after the Week 1 head-to-head. You look at the total defense. Hey, this defense is 11th in the league right now, Nassau. Love it. Last last year, they were 30-31, somewhere around there. Defense got off on the right foot. The Titans' defense is ranked 22nd. They gave up 416 yards, as you mentioned. Rush defense, Hawks are 16. Titans are 24. Pass defense, Hawks are 12. Titans are 20. So, you know what? I will... I, I will take these stats when it comes to the defense, all right? Because last year when this team started, I mean, they gave a 450 passing yards to, to Matt Ryan over there in the ATL. So they're getting off on the right foot. Yes, it's only one week of stats, but a plus this defense is moving in the right direction. Yeah, I love that too. And the other thing too, turnover differential, the Seahawks at zero, 
tied for 13, Titans minus two. That was a big reason why they lost in week one. They're going to prioritize taking care of the football. Those two turnovers led to 14 points. That was a big killer for them. The one thing you'd like to see cleaned up um, is penalties. Seahawks were 7 of 53. Titans were 7 for 57 yards. Even though one of those penalties, I mean, the one on DK, come on now. Yeah, come on. <laughs> the one on DK, I can't even get mad from that. When they showed him on the sideline, his eyes were all big. He's like, are you serious? You called that on me? I'm the <laughs> one who got shoved, and he's usually good at you know causing penalties for the other side. So that'll be one thing we like to see cleaned up for the Seahawks. But it's that time. we got to educate y'all. It's time to know your history. Know your history. All right, series matchup between the Seahawks and the Titans. The Seahawks lead the all-time series 10-7. to The last meeting, the Seahawks fell to the Titans 33-27 to in Nashville during the 2017 season. If you remember, that was week three. Russell Wilson had a big game going 29 for 49 with 373 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Our good friend Doug Baldwin led the Seahawks in receiving that day with 10 receptions, 105 yards, and one touchdown. Bobby Wags did his thing with 11 tackles, but... That was at a different time in 2017, early in the year. The Seahawks had a lot going on that week because that was the peak of the national anthem discussions. A lot of things were happening that were bigger than football, so we'll give them a pass there. Seahawks will love to get back at it at Lumen Field. They had another chance to avenge a loss against the Tennessee Titans. But, man, Bump, we alluded to it when it started. There are some really good things happening in the NFC West. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? What's the word in the West? I'll let you know what it is. Everybody's undefeated. Hawks 1-0, Rams 1-0, Cardinals 1-0, Niners 1-0. The NFC West is the best division in football. No question about it after week one. They outscored their opponents 141-276. All right, the 49ers beat the Lions 41 to 33. They could have really smashed on them, but late in the game, there was a couple of turnovers, kept the Lions in the game. Um, I was almost wishing that the Lions would win. It's almost like how I feel about the Pac-12 right now. It's like, okay, like I want you to do well. I'm a cook, you know, but I want them to represent for the conference. That's where I am with everyone in the division right now. As long as we're not, the Hawks ain't playing anybody in division, I want them to do well just to further solidify the NFC West as the best conference. In the NFL. Now, like I mentioned, the Niners were up 41 to 17 with 9.53 to go in the fourth, but the Lions scored 23 points in three minutes. You would think Matthew Stafford was there, but not. Nah, yeah. It was Jared Goff leading the way for these guys. Yeah, no question. That was crazy. We were doing our post game show and looking at the TV, and every time you look back, they were a little closer, a little closer. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, they have the ball with a chance to tie the game? Uh, Debo Samuel had a catch and reception, had the clear first down, fumbled the ball, gave it back to the Lions, and they marched all the way down to the 49ers, 24-yard line with 12 seconds remaining. Unfortunately, turned the ball over on downs for them. But I can't lie, Debo Samuel's balled out. Uh, Nine receptions, 189 yards, and a touchdown. So he he did his thing for sure. On the offensive side for the 49ers, Jimmy G, he had a solid debut to this season. Know a lot of question marks about when people are saying when Trey Lance is going to take over for him. But Jimmy G went 17 of 25 for 314 yards and touchdown. I mentioned Trey Lance, got his first NFL snaps, got him in early, one for one with a five-yard touchdown. Um, Elijah Mitchell led the running backs with 104 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. Defensively, usual suspects, man. Fred Warner, 11 tackles. Nick Bosa, four tackles, a sack. You know, for a lot of that game, they looked like the Niners that went to the Super Bowl. 
So yeah. take that for what it's worth. They are playing the Detroit Lions. But, man, they, they got some dogs, too. And if Jimmy G's playing well, I know he's always definitely injury-prone at this point in his career. But if he's playing well, it's going to be hard for Shanahan to really push Trey Lance into that starting lineup if the team's winning. The thing about Jimmy is I think he's going he's gonna to always play good enough to make it interesting. Right? He's not going to wow you, but he's going to play good enough to make it interesting. Another thing about the 49ers is, man, one running back goes down. Rasheem is done for the year. You got Elijah Mitchell just jumps right in, goes for 104 and a touchdown. Something about that system and that offensive line just allows running backs to play well, and we saw that on display on Sunday. All right, now, the Rams look good. All right, they beat the mm-hmm. Bears 34-14, to 14, and they were in control from start to finish. Matthew Stafford was 20-26, 321 yards, three touchdowns in his debut. My guy, you know I like this dude, one of my favorite receivers, Cooper Cup, seven receptions, 108 yards, one touchdown, running back Daryl Henderson, 70 yards on 16 carries. This Rams offense looks good, and this Ram defense looks good. They lost a lot of coaches, this coaching staff. One one of the questions were on defense. Are they going to be able to duplicate what they did last year? I'm not going to say they duplicated it, but they showed that this is still a very good defense. You still got Aaron Donald over there. You still got Jalen Ramsey, guys surrounding them who are going to make plays. The Rams after week one, I think they're contenders as well. Absolutely, man. And you look at their offense. They scored on six of Stafford's first seven full drives, racking up 375 yards of offense. And it was balanced, man. They threw the ball 26 times. They're also able to run the rock. And they had some injuries in that running back room, you know. So to see them kind of come out and set the tone against the Bears was interesting to see. They did it on Sunday Night Football. Matthew Stafford looked good. I'm not going to lie, man. He's throwing that yeah. rock. We've, we've known he's a good quarterback. But the question was, you know, is he that elite level status? Is he the one that's going to take that next jump in the Sean McVay offense and started off. There was some fireworks, man. Yeah. It's going to be interesting in this division. Every single week you got to bring your lunch pail because it's going to be a dogfight. And the Rams proved again, kind of like I mentioned with the 49ers, they looked like that offense in, you know, 17, 18, part of 19. That was a Super Bowl caliber offense. And now you got Matthew Stafford, which in many people's opinion is an upgrade on Matthew Stafford. So Sean McVay in that combo, it'll be interesting to see where they go moving forward. Hey, big ups to Melvin Gordon. He had a nice run with the Broncos this weekend. You did. talk about the uh, the old school Rams. I think of Melvin Gordon. Big ups, Melvin Gordon. Do your thing, baby. All right. Oh, we already talked about the Cardinals. Uh, they look special. They got two good receivers over there. A quarterback is going to make something out of nothing. Good in the backfield. Chandler Jones, five sacks. I mean, what can you say? Each team, we just highlighted. If we, if we didn't know anything about this division, we would say, okay, well, they must be ahead of their division. Just looking at the stats and the storylines of what's going on. Man, it is going to be tough in this division. All right, let's take a look at these Titans and see what these matchups look like. Man up. Hey, who man's is this? Who man's is this? Man up, man up, man up, man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. All right, Tennessee Titans. We're going to start with the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, going up against the Seahawks defense. We mentioned a little bit earlier, a slow start for Tannehill. He had a rough day against the Cardinals. They really set the tone on that offense. Uh, Tannehill went 21-35 to for 212 yards, was sacked those six times, five by Chandler Jones, threw one touchdown, one interception, lost two fumbles. The three turnovers, obviously, you don't want to see if you're a Titans fan. But the thing about Tannehill, I just want to peel the page back a little bit. He's really resurrected his career in Tennessee. In 12 games in 2019, plus a full season in 2020, Tannehill's put up some really impressive numbers. 516 for 776 for 6,561 yards, 55 touchdowns, and only 13 interceptions. 
through 28 games. So the guy is balling. He's taking care of the Rock, and the Titans had to make a big move now. They drafted Marcus Mariota number two overall. He was the franchise quarterback. He was what was going to save that franchise in a, in a sense, and they had to make a difficult decision when they brought Tannehill in, Tannehill in to move on from Mariota. And honestly, since he's taken over that job, he's never looked back. 2019, he led the Titans to the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Last year, solid campaign. They win the division. They lose in the wild card round to the Ravens. But that's another division title under his belt. And it'll be interesting to get how he bounces back this week because I've had a lot of question marks about Ryan Tannehill. You yeah. know, I that first year in 2019, I was kind of like, well, they got Derrick Henry. They got AJ. They got some dogs over there. They want to run the ball. You know, I don't. I hate saying the whole game manager thing, but in his sense, that's kind of what I thought he was. And then he followed up again last year with another solid year throughout the entire season. So, like, I've kind of changed my tune on Tannehill. I think he's a legit NFL quarterback. I think he can do some things to hurt you. So it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back against the Seahawks defense, who looked great last Sunday. Man, I'm not bought in. Not bought in yet? I'm not, man. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his style. Maybe it's the offense. I know that Derrick Henry kind of loses things up for him. But you look at the stats, there's no denying. Over 6,000 yards, 55 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 28 games. Those are baller numbers. But for some reason, maybe it's the style. It's just not my cup of tea. I, I I just don't know what it is. But there's something about Ryan Tannehill that doesn't make me buy in. I'm happy for his success. I love seeing athletes ball out. I just hope he doesn't do it this week. Yep. But, yeah, let's see how he bounces back. He's got to be a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to be a leader. He's got weapons. AJ, he's got Julio over there. Uh, you lose John U. Smith, but uh, there are some weapons for him to throw to. So let's see if he bounces back. All right, another matchup, Derrick Henry versus Seahawks front seven. Now, Henry's coming off one of the best seasons in NFL history at the running back position, at any position, honestly. Running back is so hard to be successful at. Everyone's trying to get you. Rushed for 2,000 yards on 378 carries and 17 touchdowns. Had 98 rushing first downs. Pretty much most of the time, a third of the time, when he touches the ball, is going to be a first down. Now, 2020 was his third consecutive season with 1,000 yards rushing. I remember when this young man came into the league, he struggled a bit. I think he had like 40 yards one year, mm-hmm. 600 the next year. And that third year, boom, he just blew up. And watching him on film, I've noticed he's a big dude. But if you can get in the backfield on him, he doesn't break those tackles a lot, right? If he passes, if he gets to the second level when he gets a full head of steam, that's where he starts breaking tackles. So if I'm the Seahawks, you got to get into that backfield, make him make a move, corral him last week he has 17 carries for 58 yards only 3.4 average when it comes to running the rock so that's what they got to do that's what i've seen on film get into the backfield make him make decisions back there if he gets to that second level i think we still have good good linebackers and bobby and brooks and cody and daryl but uh, chances are he's gonna break some big ones yeah man he's a scary dude if he's coming at you north and south it is Watch out. If you're a defensive back, watch out because you better you better bring your lunch pail. You better get low, and you better just hang on for dear life because the man is an absolute monster. But you mentioned it. I mean, typically with any running back, especially the ones that are dynamic, if you get those shoulders turned to the sideline, that's when the small guys like me can come up and make a tackle, <laughs> man. But yeah. when you're going north and south, that's when things get scary. So, And it's a good sign because we saw, what we saw from the Seahawks front seven last week is they held that Colts rushing attack to 113 yards. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines only combined for 90 yards, and they had a pretty good uh, rushing attack there. Jonathan Taylor had about 600 and yak yards last year. So the Seahawks will need a similar performance against the Titans on Sunday. And in our next matchup, really the first two matchups can't even get going without this one. It's in the trenches, as Ray Roberts would love to talk about when he's talking about snot bubbles and hitting and hammering, yeah. all that stuff. 
But <laughs> this Seahawks front seven against that Titans on the line, and we've talked about it a little bit, you know, Tannehill and Henry, but Chandler Jones, one of the best, clearly one of the most underrated players on the defensive side of the ball in the National Football League. People kind of sleep on that man. We know in this division because we see him twice a year that he's that dude. Mm-hmm. With that being said, man, no player can have five sacks against you. That just cannot happen. That cannot happen at any level. And and the thing about it is the Cardinals just made hay in the backfield all day. And let me just let's go through that first series against Arizona. You want to talk about the tone being set on you. First play of the game, Chandler Jones, boom, hits tack Taylor Lewin, throws him aside, tackles Derrick Henry for a three yard loss. Next play, J.J. Watt, welcome to Arizona. He, boom, swim moves past the right tackle, gets in the backfield, boom, tackles Henry for a loss. Third play, Jones somehow <laughs> comes unblocked on the next play. <laughs> Blows my mind, smacks Tannehill, fumble, they lose the ball, Cardinals recover on the one-yard line, boom, touchdown. Now all of a sudden, just like that, you got hit in the face or down 7 nothing on three plays. So, with that being said, this offensive line, obviously was very good last year. Their yeah. running back went for over 2,000 yards. We can you count on both hands how many running backs have done that in the history of the National Football League. So they obviously have some dudes that can play. But one thing we know is Arizona set the tone against them. They are more physical. They are active in the backfield. And they're going to need to do something different this week or it's going to be another long day for that offense. It's going to be another long day. They got to fix the communication on the offensive line. Maybe it's a alignment assignment. Who knows? That's why you have seven days to prepare. Let's see if they get it right. All right, next matchup, DJ Reed and Trey Flowers versus A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Now, these two preseason rankings, I saw a list where they are the number one or number two receiver duo in the league. In my opinion, I'm still going to take Metcalf and Lockett, but you cannot disrespect these two. A.J. Brown is a rising star. Julio's been in the game for a while. He had his debut with the Titans. He had three recessions for only 29 yards, but 10 targets. So that just sounds like chemistry to me. They need to work on their chemistry and get on the same page. In 2020, he played seven games, but still had 700 yards on 51 receptions and three touchdowns. That's the first time in six seasons that he did not go over 1,000 yards. Now, he was banged up, hamstring injury. He's healthy now. Uh, They're going to find ways to use him. They're going to find ways to use A.J. Brown. Now, A.J. Brown, uh, he had 1,000 yards last year, 70 receptions for 1,075 and 11 touchdowns. So you look at the stats, you look at the stature, you look at the film, you see these two and you're like, yeah, I don't care what who's the quarterback. These guys could be one of the best duos in the league, but there's going to take some time for them to figure out how to get Julio Jones in this offense because this is a run-first offense, play-action pass down the field. With Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, you feel like they would have to start doing some traditional dropbacks and let these guys work one-on-one on these DBs and these safeties. So I'm not I'm not saying after one week that it is a bust. Julio Jones ain't going to be nothing. A.J.'s not going to do anything. No, sir. I know better than that. This is the NFL, and those dudes can ball. But it's going to take some time for them to get going. I just hope it isn't this week. Oh, absolutely. And DJ Reed, Trey Flowers, you got your work cut out for you, man. And they played well, in my opinion, last week. I mean, some balls were completed, obviously. Uh, Flowers had the one ball that was caught on him for a touchdown. Um, so there's a couple of things he didn't like. But overall, they, they eliminated the big play. They kept people in front. When guys were in front of them, they tackled them. They got down. And the number one thing is keeping guys in front of you. That's my number one thing. That's Pete's number one thing. Destroy the deeps. You know, protect the football. So those two guys had a decent start to the season. I'm really excited to see how they're going to match up this week, especially because we know how much we're going to have to commit to stopping the run. 
Mm-hmm. The Seahawks are that box is going to be full. The Titans are going to force you to say, hey, you're going to need to put eight guys in the box. You're going to need to tackle. Jamal Adams is going to be active. He's going to be around. So the corners are going to be left on some islands on Sunday. We know that. That's just going to be a product of what's going on, especially when we're bringing pressure. So they're going to have to step up and make big plays. And it's <laughs> it's a tough matchup. Like you said, they might have had a slow start last week, but these two dudes, <laughs> Julio Jones is a Hall of Famer. These dudes mm-hmm. can play, so I'm really – Interested to see how DJ Reed and Trey Flowers respond. And I'm also interested to see if anyone else is going to get um, any burn on Sunday. You know, Sidney Jones has another week in this defense learning stuff, so maybe he gets a little active. John Reed, you had Bless Austin. So we'll see. I think I think the thing about that secondary room right now, specifically at corner, is that competition's always going to be open, man. You're yeah. earn, you're earning that you're earning that check. Rent is due every single day here at the VMAC. Every day. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I'm looking forward to it. I think DJ Reed and Trey Flowers stepped up last week and they're gonna have their work cut out for them on Sunday, but I'm expecting big things out of those guys. And the last one, man, it's not really it's a matchup where I just put it on here. Russell Wilson, Shane Waldron versus everybody, okay? It's the new everybody. offense. Yes, it's that new offense. We got to see it a little bit last week and I'm still, I, I said this on the recap podcast, I'm juice bump, man. Everything looks easy. Yeah. Everything looks smooth. There's outlet passes. The tight ends are being utilized all over the field. Russell Wilson has been balling. I love how it was everything against what a usually typical September Seahawks game is. Slow start, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out late, furious comeback. No, they were in control the whole time. And it didn't. It, honestly, when you watch them, they did what they did. Didn't feel like they broke a sweat. No, You know, you come in for a, a recovery workout, maybe you had a long weekend and partying <laughs> or doing whatever you're doing, and it's like, I'm just in here to, to get a couple things, jog a couple miles, get a couple reps on the bench. That's what it felt like, light work for the Seahawks offense. So I'm excited to see it. Bump, what I want to ask you is, what do you think, what new wrinkles do you think we're going to start seeing from this offense? We kind of saw last week, hey, we're going to run the football. We're still going to take you over the top with Lockett and Metcalf, and we're going to introduce the tight ends. What else? What other wrinkles do you think we're going to see out of this offense? I think we're going to see more looks off the jet sweep because they've introduced that to the league, put it on film. Look, you have to prepare for this. They showed it. They faked it. They gave it. Um, I think we're going to see some plays off the screen now. We saw a tight end screen. Now I see them faking the tight end screen and going up top on the opposite side or swinging it back to the opposite side. Um, I see double moves. You know, we saw... Uh, we already saw Lockett with a double move, that corner post and that 69-yard touchdown he had from Russell Wilson. But because they were successful in the quick game, now this sets up the double moves. Guys are going to be able to bite. Um, I see some movement. I don't, I don't think we saw Russell Wilson get outside the pocket much. I still think that's going to be part of his game. And um, and also what, what I liked about last week is that even when the offense didn't score, right, they had to punt it out, out on downs or whatever, I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't like, oh, my God, what are we doing? It was just like, okay, those guys made a play. You know, this is NFL. You're not going to score every single drive. Um, So I expect to see more of that. I expect to see plays that are connected and that make sense and that set up the next play. There was a cohesiveness to this offense that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, man, it's it's exciting to see. And the fact that it's only been one week because other teams, obviously, they got a week to prepare. We put stuff out on film. They have stuff to prepare yep. against. But now that Shane Waldron can go that next level. And everyone talks about, we've heard Pete talk about, we've heard Russ talk about it, we've heard Shane talk about the cohesiveness, as you mentioned, and just that they're on the same page. Russell has all the freedom in the world to get us in the right play, which he's done over his entire career. But it seems that it's been accelerated this year. So I'm incredibly excited to see what we can do. But bump. How are we going to beat these Titans? Path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. 
Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Man, I'm going to call myself out real quick. I said, how are we going to beat the Titans on Sunday? I'm not putting on pads. <laughs> I'm not doing anything on Sunday. I'll be sitting in the radio booth, so correction on that. How are the Seahawks going to beat <laughs> the Titans this Sunday? And it's going to get started with uh, getting after Ryan Tannehill in that offensive line. Tannehill and that O-line struggled last week. The Cardinals showed that they set the tone on them early and often, and the Seahawks got to do the same. They got to dominate the line of scrimmage. Impose your will. That's what they did last week against the Colts. That's what the Cardinals did against the Titans last week. And in order to do that, they got to continue with, you know, Monet, Mayoa, Rasheem Green. All those guys up front were incredibly active. I want to see more of that this week. And if you do that, it's going to be huge in this game on Sunday. They got to stop Derrick Henry. He can't not get going early. Uh, he's going to get his, right? He's going to have one or two runs that just let you know that he is Derrick Henry. He's one of the best in the game, but he can't go wild on you. He can't have 175 yards, 200 yards, and just go nuts. You got to get in the backfield and contain him. Also, you got to contain Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. These guys are big. They're fast. They want to get behind you. They want to make the big play. Force them to take the underneath stuff. Rally to the football offensively it's all about stopping derrick henry and controlling julio jones and aj brown no big plays from those guys absolutely keep them in front keep them in front man and we just mentioned to keep that same energy in offense build off of what we saw lots of easy throws utilizing the tight end Lockett, metcalf and verb involved excuse me early and often chris carson toting that rock this offense is just at the beginning man we're just seeing the tail the Tip of the iceberg and what we can see for their yeah. potential. So I'm incredibly excited to see what they can do. I'm just hoping they build off it and it look even better on Sunday. Protect home field, baby. We got fans back in Lumen. It's been over 600 days. They are ready to go. They showed up in Indy. You thought Indy was a home game after the big plays the Hawks made with the crowd cheering. But now we're going to be home. The best football setting in the NFL. Let's go 2-0. Let's go 2-0. Like you said, over 600 days since last regular season at Lumen. The 12s are going to be lit. Reminder, you can catch our podcast everywhere, Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Also, we got a lot of good podcast content throughout our network. We got the Seahawks Insiders with Jen Mueller and John Boyle. The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Stacey Ross, and Jay Keeps. Hawks Live with my guy Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. New in 2020, we got Seahawks stories with Robert Turbin, former Super Bowl champ. He's going to tell you some stories within the organization. And we got Seahawks rerun. Hear the incident analysis right after the game from Seahawks Radio Network. Catch player interviews and reaction from Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer, Robert, Ray Roberts, and Robert Turbin. And one other thing that I want to address before we get out of here, Bump. Entry on Sunday, man. If you're a vaccinated fan, you need to know you got to come up with a hard copy of your vaccination card. Or you can do a photo of your vaccination card or digital version on your phone. If you want to print it out, you can do that. It's fine. Just help ease us into the stadium as you're getting in. Just make sure you have that on you. If you're not vaccinated, you must show a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours prior to kickoff. This can be in printed form or on your phone. Test can be PCR or rapid test as long as the results have been verified by a lab. Home kits that were not verified by lab will not be accepted. Tests are widely available. Lots of places to go. Reminder, fans under the age of 12 will not be required to have a negative test result. 
And lastly, reminder on masks, fans will be required to wear a mask at all times except while eating or drinking regardless of vaccination status. And that's required by large events for current state and local mandates. Like I said, show your vax card, show a negative test, get in the game, make noise. It's going to be loud bump. I cannot wait for Sunday. I cannot wait either. Do what you got to do. We need you guys there at Lumen Field. We need this thing rocking. The Titans are coming into town. It's time to go 2-0. This offense looks good. This defense looks good. Let's keep the show rolling. All right, that's it for this show, Hawk Talk Preview. Week 2 edition, Seahawks versus the Titans this Sunday. I'm Michael Bumpus. That is NASA Chobie. I'll let you soon.